I'm Mary Angela Abeo, and this is Virtual Pride on the Face to Faces podcast. While pride is amazing with all the glitter, libations, and celebrations, the real pride is striving to live our truths and fighting for equality, education, and inclusion whenever and wherever we go, starting right here in our personal spaces with how we celebrate ourselves and take care of our community. I'm hoping that this month we give you content to help remind you that though this year's pride may be quiet in your neighborhood bars, clubs, and sidewalks, there is an incredible community of humans ready to celebrate you. And no matter who you talk to, there will always be someone who can connect to your journey. Though we're physically separate this year, no one can take the connection that our pride gives us to each other. Now, let's lean in and celebrate. All right, today I have a guest host. Izzy Aceves is one of the faces of my project. She served 10 years in the Air National Guard and was diagnosed with PTSD and major depressive disorder after being sexually assaulted by another service member. She now has a podcast called Healing with Izzy, where she candidly speaks about her life experiences and how she heals through trauma and openly discusses sexual trauma and how it relates to sex and masturbation positivity. Our Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yeah, our two guests today that are joining us um, for Virtual Pride. I first met Brickhouse, aka the goddess, who uses she, her, and goddess pronouns, at a Sony photography event, and I've been a follower of her work ever since. She's a professional dominant and intuitive burlesque goddess, educator in sacred intimate arts, and is an LGBTQ plus and sex worker rights advocate. And Black Sen, who uses they, them pronouns, is a non-binary BDSM educator, visual artist, published writer, professional dominant, consultant, mentor, coach, content creator, and event organizer. I am so grateful to have you both here. Thank you so much. I feel like I need to get my bio together because y'all's bio is dope. (laughs) (laughs) I need to rethink my bio. Let me set my bio game up. <laughs> well, first, I, I use the, I use the template off of Google to fill in the blanks. <laughs> I need to try that. Perfect. <laughs> well, first of all, I I I you know want to use this time to check in. You know, we're at a time in the world where we have both a viral and a racial pandemic happening, and I want to check in with our two guests to not ask you how you're doing because I think that's facetious and ridiculous, but instead to ask you. Um, do you have support right now? Do you have a community? Do you feel supported right now? Uh, I um, I personally uh, definitely feel supported um, in my community, both online and offline. People have been, you know, checking in, making sure that I'm taking care of myself, making sure that I'm eating, making sure that I have um, funds. Uh, so yeah, I um, operate. Um, I was, I was put into a role of of leadership, <laughs> um, kind of, and uh, we're in that role like you just kind of just sort of have to you know be there for a lot of people. But it's like it's nice when folks are also uh, there for you. So I've definitely been um, paying attention to my mental mental health, 
um, my mental wellness, my spiritual wellness, um, as well as making time for myself and allowing people to uh, be there for me. What about you, Britt? Um, I do have some support, but I could always use more. Good. Okay. But yes, I, I am supported and I am also in need of more support. So those of you listening, holla at your girl, cash app, dollar sign, B-R-I-Q-H-O-U-S-E. Also on Venmo under the same situation. So we'll <laughs> put all the links in the description to the podcast as well. Yes. Also feel free to sign over any houses to me, you know, land, property, whatever. <laughs> also, I also take instruments, whatever. You put know. it all out there. Bitcoin. I saw like the vacation trade the other day that you posted. I am. Yeah. Wow. I love that idea. <laughs> yes. I would have helped you, but we live in the same city. So you <laughs> yes, I wanted to be at my apartment in Belltown. It wasn't. I want to be somewhere hot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, um, that leads me to my next question. How are you trying to, to practice self-care right now? What are some of, because I think I've learned late in life, unfortunately, boundaries, self-care, so important, but uh, what self-care tactics and things are you trying to remember and use for yourself right now that are getting you through or attempting to get you through? Uh, I would say that um, for me, first and foremost, one of the most important uh, forms of self-care to me is definitely the setting of boundaries. Um, Boundaries uh, is just one of many ways that I do um, self-care. Self-care means saying no uh, when I need to. Self-care uh, means using time for myself and no one else. Uh, self-care, self-care means indulging in the things that I enjoy, the hobbies that I like, um, to spend time with the human beings that you know, mean something to me. Uh, you know, I think we put self-care more so in the realm of, of you know, massages and, you know, pedicures and, and spa visits. But, you know, um, self-care for me, you know, just its meaning has changed uh, over the years. And I, I definitely think that by, you know, considering myself as whole, considering my trauma, my mental health and the labor that I put forth on a day-to-day basis has, has served me better uh, than anything else. Mm. Yes. All that, <laughs> what they said. Um, you'll hear me saying that a lot today. Just like, whatever Black Sin said. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like we'll all say that at one point, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> or, but keep it coming at the same time. You know, it's just all of that, all of that. Uh, <laughs> um. Ways I've been doing self-care. Um, appreciating Blackton's content on Instagram has definitely been some self-care for me. <laughs> um, <clears throat> creating my own content has been self-care for me. Holla at your girl on OnlyFans. Uh, OnlyFans slash Goddess Brick House. Um, also, uh, gosh, saying no a lot. Staying to myself a lot. Protecting my space, protecting my energy. Um allowing myself to feel, staying in therapy once a week, adding more if I need more, um, requiring others around me to like really, really um, show up 
that's been a really good form of self-care is I feel like, you know, um, and like Black said, I'm sure you feel the same, like as far as like when you are in a leadership position, it's really easy for you to show up all the time for other people or people expect for you to show up all the time for them. Uh, so it's it's a very different position to be in right now to be like, no, you motherfuckers about to show up for me. <laughs> like, your girl been working, your girl been at this, your girl been tired. I'm going to sit back and I'm going to let y'all show up for me. Uh, so that's been a very interesting uh, time in my life where I've, because it's, it's one thing to ask people to show up for you and it's another thing to allow people to show up for you and both of those are very vulnerable for me. Mm. So I'm proud of myself. And uh, masturbating, of course, always a part of self-care. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you heard me go, yes. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, masturbating, uh, loving on my two partners and then loving on me, part of self-care. Oh, yeah, all kind of stuff. Just Good. existing, my blankets, my pillows. Yes. <laughs> I love that Enti- entire list. Yes. Yeah, I think this quarantine has brought masturbation, sex, pleasure into the forefront for a lot of people, especially if you live alone, especially if maybe you're between partners or um, especially if you're poly like me and you've got, uh, you know, different partners that especially during quarantine you can't see, um, things like that. And so I think that, um, you know, I come from, I'm, I'm in my 40s and so I come from a Roman Catholic different generation boomer parents where masturbation was bad where being uh pansexual was bad and so i came into my sexual revolution my gender revolution later in life Mm -hmm. and i'm noticing in this quarantine that not giving your time to that masturbation sexuality side is is hurting was hurting my mental health in the beginning yeah Mm -hmm. And it was real. It was like, who can I talk to about this? And when I would start to open up to people, whether it was on my story or talking to friends, it's because I already talk about a topic that's so difficult. I'm in the suicide arena. So I'm already in a place where I talk about suicide in my project and my movement and people already can't talk about it. They whisper and they shame. And so adding masturbation and sex positivity to that, people are like, who are yes. you? You're a lot. And just enough. Right. Exactly. And so for me, it's like, I, I'm going to talk to you about what I'm struggling with. And, and I'm hit with so much shame around me that I'm really trying to lift that a little bit. But I'm also trying to dig inside and find out how can you be there for yourself? And how can you help raise that volume a little bit? And I would love to have some suggestions from you two about this kind of journey um, in sexuality and sex positivity. And if there's education or resources that you feel like somebody could use instead of going out to their community and feeling like they're not heard or not seen. Um, you mean in, in like in reference to like shame and, you know, um, unlocking? I both. Yeah. I think in re- in reference to shame around sex positivity, masturbation po- positivity, but also just as far as, you know, uh, sexual revolution is big for everyone and it happens at all different types of in all different times of your life um it can happen to people and um i know for me you know i've done a little bit of education but for me it's been more about learning from people like brick and other people around me that are so um much farther down the road than i am i think i think um 
I think one of the, the biggest things, or well, I, I guess one of the biggest resources uh, to help someone, you know, come combat shame and, you know, kind of unlock their sexuality. I think one of the biggest and most important tools is the person themselves. I say that because, you know, through the examination of different aspects of my life, through the examination of, you know, my mental health, my the different trauma um, that I've endured, you know, I've been able to identify and pinpoint the sources, you know, of my shame. So for some people, that might be, you know, religious indoctrination. Uh, for some people, it might have to do with gender. Um, for more, for some people, it might have to do with, you know, bodily uh, appearances. And, you know, if you were never, you know, empowered, if you were never, you know, told that you have bodily autonomy and you have agency, you know, of course you're gonna feel shame in some in some way because, you know, when you allow those things to affect you, you give up your autonomy and agency, you know, in a sense of speaking. Like there are books, and, you know, there are articles and there are, you know, all the people online that you can, you know, read about and talk to, but at the end of the day, you know, confronting your shame and unlocking your sexuality and getting more comfortable with your sexuality and, you know, uh, being, being liberated um, sexually is um, a personal journey. And it's not one that we, you know, can simply, you know, perform one action and think that, all right, we got it or perform, you know, two actions, you know, trauma and, and you know, other aspects that, that affect shame and how it appears in a person's life, you know, it's deep, it runs deep, it runs deep down within. So this is work that you must be committed to. This is work that you must perpetually do. This is work that you will be doing for a, a, a long time. And I think that if anybody can, you know, take a second um, to examine uh, where those, those those sources of shame are, it will help them get a little bit closer to liberating their own sexuality. Mm. <laughs> Rick, I love you. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> My lady are doing every time Black Sin talks. <laughs> I'm here for all. Can we, can that be the new applause? <gasps> can we do that? Can we make like, an emoji for it and be like, doing this with talk? I will use that daily. Fuck it. I'm so excited. Quietest little clap. Oh my god! I just, I just see that this is gonna, this is gonna be me like blushing like this. I was gonna say, you that sweat? Oh, right now. <laughs> I am, I, I sweat very easily when I'm. I see. Uh, I see. They blush. They blush. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh gosh. Uh, okay. I was supposed to be talking about sexual shame. Boom. So. One, I think that, yes, it's really good to follow people. And when I say follow, it depends on if you're into social media or not. But follow the work of, if you're not, you can buy books, you can buy audiobooks, you can buy one-on-one -on -one sessions with Black Sin. Um, I think that uh, supporting the people who are doing the work, like Izzy, you know, I think that I think that there's ways to connect with the work, even if you don't like social media, you can directly work with people. And that can be really awesome. I know that a lot of the work that I've done one-on-one -on -one has been the work that's really been transformative for me. Um, also, 
uh, something fun that I like to challenge people that I work with to do is to buy um, erotica reading. So it could be either a magazine or a comic or a book, but something a little bit outside of your normal comfort zone and to read it out loud to yourself because mm -hmm. then it teaches you to start saying it. And you know, like at first you're going to be like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> but the more and more that you repeat it and you show yourself and teach yourself that it's normal and it's natural and there's nothing to be ashamed of or afraid of, it slowly but surely starts to build your confidence around these things so that if you do want to ever engage with this somewhere else besides the privacy of your own home and your own reading, it becomes a little bit easier because you've been practicing like everything else. Um, so sometimes I feel like the conversation around like shame and sexual healing can be really big, you know, but sometimes for me, uh, it's been the little things that have like helped along the way. Cause for me, it's like my sexual healing journey is something I'm going to be on forever. Like, it's just, it's just, it's a journey. It's with no destination, like it's freedom somewhere along the lines. Um, <laughs> but it's like, I feel like I'm going to constantly forever be working on it. And so for me, it's been easier to digest little pieces at a time. And so although I may not be able to get to sexual goal 99 today, what I can get to is like today I was able to do something that brought me pleasure and not feel as shameful about it as I would have, you know, a month ago. Like that's also really worthy of celebrating and being excited about and sharing with your friends about. And, you know, so I, I just, yeah, being excited that. and celebrating your small victories is, is a really awesome way to work through some shame stuff. I also love the reading idea. I never thought of that, but you know, I'm a parent of, I had a child very young and my adult daughter is 23. And when she was young and experimenting and first having sex, she came to me and would try to talk to me about things and not be able to talk about them. And I, I kind of, I guess I did that and didn't realize it, but I told her, I said, you need to be okay saying these things out loud because if you can't say them out loud, how are you doing them? Like yeah. you have to be mature enough to say it out loud and know what you're talking about and be firm and confident. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, if you can't talk to me about blowjobs, then maybe you're not ready to do them. Like, let's have this conversation. And so, um, but yeah, so, you know, around that shame, it's Izzy and I both are sexual assault survivors and I call myself light kink and very light <laughs> Because my therapist and I have been working for eight years over the fact that my sexual assault was with numerous people and I was choked and that was such a scary space for me for a long time. But it was a huge part of me getting a big neck tattoo and having that ownership of my neck back. And so uh, light kink being... Um, exploring being choked now or choking someone and getting that power back um, has been really healing for me. Yeah. It, exactly. And it's been so exciting, but now I'm like, so now I'm going into these other parts where, you know, I want, I want to learn things, but I don't know how, and I would love to have some guidance or recommendations because I was talking to someone about wanting to be, to, to use strap-ons and like have that energy about myself. But then I tried and I realized I'm not, it's, I just wasn't born with those muscles and I don't know what I'm doing and I'm not good at it. But I had a friend go, developed. right, right, exactly. And I, they were like, you need to talk to a sex worker. You need to talk to someone that can help you, that can help you practice, that you can pay, that knows what they're doing and you can support their work. And yes. 
I loved that idea and I would love to hear more and like suggestions around that because there are people like me that are learning to get move through their traumas and are using BDSM to really help process that. But I also don't, and this is just me, I'm 45 and I don't have time for really for shitty sex. I don't have time for it. I'm too old for that shit. Like Uh we're done with that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I would love your suggestions on that. Yeah. I mean, as a survivor, I'm just like, we, we absolutely not. We do not have shitty sex. Like that's it. We are done with that chapter of our lives. Like it's not happening and fuck that shit. Hell no. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think that you're the person that, that told you that was right. That's like, that is what we love to do. Like we love when people come to us and actually want to learn and want to practice and want to try and want to explore. Like that's, that's what we're here for. We're like, let's go. Like, that's why I was like, oh yeah, you need to develop them. Like that's, we can do that. That's, that's not hard. Like we can, it's there. It's already there. You just don't know it yet. So working with a sex worker could totally help build up that confidence and those muscles. So there you go. <laughs> feel exercise in my future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Black Sand? Do you have anything to add? Um, yeah, um, you know, one of the most, um, one of the aspects of, you know, the many things that I do, uh, one of the aspects that I enjoy, um, most is, is teaching people, um, about, you know, BDSM, teaching people about themselves, uh, and just, like, helping people just kind of change their own narrative, you know, that's one of the, the, the best parts about BDSM is, um, is through the use of consent, um, the consideration of you know mental health and trauma, you know you can change, you can change or alter, you know your your own narrative. You can reclaim your body, you can reclaim your space, you can reclaim, you can lay claim to, you know the things that you lost because you know the control set shifts, you know to you, you know, um, as a survivor myself, you know, you know one of the biggest things I remember is the the, the powerlessness. You know, you don't you don't forget the powerlessness, uh, and and like taking taking those experiences and con- confronting them, not you know, not in a manner that like, not in a manner where I want to get rid of my demons, but rather that I want to play well with them. Like moving on in 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 that way, you know, leading in that intentionality, you know, manifesting my healing through my own actions is has has you know been just an overall like healing experience you know so when we're when we are you know taking our own trauma by the horns when we are taking our own narrative you know by the horns we want to be mindful of the actions that we're performing we want to be mindful of the energy that we are exuding we want to be you know conscious of you know the words that are being said and so on and so forth. And as a survivor, you can, you know, design it with a sex worker. As a sex worker, my job is to provide a service. You are, you know, providing compensation for a service. It is my job to provide that service and leave you in the same or better condition than what I found you in. And that's on a, you know, continuous perpetual basis, you know. So, you know, when we, <laughs> when, when we can't, you know, when we can't trust in the, in the human beings in our own lives that, you know, surround us and, you know, we don't have, 
we don't, we don't know whether or not this person is going to keep our best interest at heart. You know, what we do have are individuals who operate within the realm of sex professionally. And as such, um, it is their job to provide people with the best possible experience. Um, and I definitely think that talking to a sex worker for the purpose of education or the reclamation of one's narrative is a very good thing. That's awesome. I love that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly. Yes. Exactly. Well, you know, I, I don't know if you resent, if you, uh, agree with this, Isabel, but I feel like, uh, I was definitely raised and society kind of has this narrative of what a sex worker provides and what a sex worker does. And I have had to unlearn and relearn all of that for myself because, mm -hmm. and, you know, we're still in a place where, you know, the, the, uh, you know, support checks from, you know, sex workers didn't get the money that a lot of us did. Uh, I, I don't know why. The stimulus? Yes, the stimulus. Yeah, none of that. Which is fucking ridiculous. But, you know, that shows where we are as a society in accepting, understanding, respecting, and honoring the work that sex workers do. Um, but I really want to help be a voice and raise that narrative because I think that um, it's really easy when you need something or when you want something to to use that space, but we're not respecting the work and the education around it. And well, I, I do now. I'm excited. <laughs> um, I, I want to shift just a little bit um, because I would be tone deaf to not acknowledge what's happening right now in the world. And I, I want to make sure that we can talk with both of you about how we can better support our POC educators, uh, sex workers, artists, professionals in this field. Um, you know, we're, we, we also, we're in an Instagram world, so everybody's fucking stories, everybody's talking about supporting all the white people I know that have been silent or now, you know, catching on to the trend, whatever. I mean, We'll see where this is in three months with some of these Karens from, you know, Issaquah. But for now, it's like, how can we better support what's flying under the radar? What is the average person not acknowledging, not understanding, and not supporting? Well, the first thing that, you know, white people need to understand that this is not current events. This is not, you know, this is not, you know, what's happening right now. This has been, this has been occurring for hundreds of years, you know systematically, you know, through, you know, multiple levels of society, you know. One of the most important things that people need to understand is that all forms of oppression intersect. Black folks are, they stand at every corner. So we're talking about sexuality. We're talking about, you know, healthcare. We're talking about, you know, sports. We're talking about, you know, politics and so on and so forth. You know, this isn't simply a matter of police brutality. This is a matter of undoing you know, years upon years of, you know, systemic oppression, you know, um, you know, we're talking, we're talking Tulsa, you know, and, and 1921 in Oklahoma, where, you know, Black Wall Street was, was, was bombed and also, you know, attacked from the ground. We're talking about, <clears throat> we're talking about the move bombing here in Philadelphia in the 1980s, where the city of Philadelphia bombed its own Black residents. You know, we're talking about Rosewood. We're talking about <laughs> we're talking about slave ships. Like this is this has been an occurrence for hundreds of years. This is not current events, and we are not your trending topic. 
that's the first thing that I think that white people like need to understand is that, you know, in order to undo this, like it does not stop at police brutality. It does not stop as racism. We also need to address the systems that were in place and that are in place that allow this to occur. You know, we need to stop, we need to stop people from teaching their kids to perpetuate the same hate that their parents did, that their parents did, and that their parents did. You know what I'm saying? When I was looking at videos of people at, you know, MAGA rallies and folks that are alt-right alleys, you know, I'm 32 years old, some of those folks are my age, you know what I'm saying, which lets me know and, uh, and, and further, you know, communicates the fact that, you know, racism and prejudice are two things that are taught. They are taught, you know? So that work for white people begins with understanding that this is a multiple level, you know? This is not work that you, you know, get to do for a week and then like move on to the next thing. This is a systemic problem the world over from years of colonialism, from years of conquest, from, you know, years of disfranchise, disenfranchisement and creating socioeconomic disparities throughout the entirety of the world, you know? And that's what, that's what I mostly need, you know, white individuals to understand that it just, it don't, it don't stop at police brutality. Yeah, that's real. Brett? Um, <clears throat> tell me the question again. Basically, how can white folks support? It, especially in this realm, too. You know, I think that uh, right now there's a lot of things going around and a lot of people supporting in the same spaces. And I, mm -hmm. I wonder, I want to make sure that we're not missing something and that things that might be going under the radar um, as far as things we need to realize, things we need to remember, and things we need to support are there. Like, like Black Sen said, you know, there's, there's a general understanding that needs to happen first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, of course. There's a general understanding that needs to happen first, but also because this shit is active and every day, there are some very practical things that could be happening every day that are not. Um, Excuse me. So it would be awesome if, number one, if white people are not reaching out to black people about resources they can offer them, leave us alone. Like, period. Like, because the, the whole I need you to know I'm sad because people are racist, but not me, but other people. But, you know, like, I don't need, I don't, that's not helping me. <laughs> that's not my people. That's not yeah no so reaching out in order to feel better about yourselves is not helping anyone reaching out to say here are the things that i have available and if there's anything else that you think that i may have that you could need let me know or if you think there's something that me and my network may have that you could need let me know that's how i want to show up for you like coming with your shit figured out to a black person would be awesome so that i'm not I'm not going to be. I was going to say, so I'm not stuck with the labor, but I'm not going to be because I just won't respond. Um, so that we are not stuck with the labor of doing that for you. So if you have, like I was talking about earlier, land, things like that. Also something as simple as, and I know that this sounds really radical to other people, but it's actually not radical because white people do it for themselves all the time. But like, if there's a black person that you know, and you know that they could use help in credit development, adding their information to your credit card would be awesome even if you didn't give them a credit card literally just adding their information to your credit card so that their credit score can go up so that they are now more eligible for housing they're now more eligible for 
car loans that are way low, like much less interest. Like it's, there are practical things every day that we are kept out of on a regular basis. That includes home ownership, but that also includes just renting, being able to co-sign for a black person's apartment because they're uh, being able to co-sign for, especially a black person who's an entrepreneur or a sex worker or an artist, because people make it very hard for us and don't believe that we work because we don't have traditional jobs. So being willing to co-sign, being willing to add on to something, being able to add some uh, people of color and especially black people to your will. Like these are things that are very practical, uh, buying, covering someone's life insurance for the years, covering someone's health insurance. Like there are so many very practical things that are very difficult for us on a regular everyday basis that people don't even think about. So it's like, it's great to give to these, you know, general funds, but there's a lot of those things that I can't even apply for that I don't qualify for, or it is literally just too much of a task for me to get that done. Like, so even applying for things for me, like saying, Hey, I know that you don't have the, you know, bandwidth. If you could just send me all your stuff, I'm going to apply for these things for you because I have time or I know how to write grants or I know how to literally just offering whatever it is that you're just naturally good at or you naturally have extra of could be helpful. Do you know how many black people like plants? If you had extra plants and it, plants are expensive. I didn't, you know what I mean? I think you yeah. even said in the beginning how, some of this sounds radical, but it doesn't. It actually sounds like common sense, and we're we're all kind of looking into these extreme, like these large donation-based places, but we're not looking at what our resources and networking. Groceries. Do you know how expensive Whole Foods and PCC is? But guess what? They have great produce. It will be awesome to have some nice produce. Like. There's so many black farmers and POC farmers that you could support and go purchase things for them and give them to people of color. Like there's just so many ways, you know, mm -hmm. for people who have business savvies, getting us into business spaces, getting us into venues so that we can have nicer of it. Like there's so many things that white folks just naturally have in their realm of network, but they don't even think about the fact that nobody else has that. Yeah. I, um, I actually just, um, I was just looking it up right now. I actually literally just heard, on um, DazedDigital.com about an underground plant exchange where white people send black people plants. Um, yeah, that is on that is on Dazed. Hell, um, yes, yes. Uh, no, I doubt that you can like even see that. But, I like, can actually. I'm <laughs> I am a plant. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So yeah, that's like that's pretty cool. So. Yeah. And I see plants as a form of therapy and like peace. And I would just love to be able. Yeah. I love that. I love all of those ideas and they're, you're right. They are things that we are not thinking about that are accessible. You know, some people are like, mm, I can't afford to give hundreds of dollars to this, but what do you have? Like wow, what do you yeah. already have in your network are, are people of yours therapists who you could be like, Hey, can I pay you? for someone to have a year worth of therapy with you. Like there's just so many things that white people don't remember that their access to it is so natural to them that they don't remember that getting people jobs, literally white people get all these great jobs because of who they know, but they don't think about how powerful that network is and how powerful it would be if you were like, Hey, I'm co-signing for this person. This person also needs that kind of attention. This person also needs their thing to go to the top. Like, yeah. It's also interesting. I'm watching like all these like CEOs or whatever step down, but like what good is it if you're stepping down, if you haven't 
actually created a relationship with a person of color to put in your place because all they're going to do is fill those spaces with white people or Mm. barely, you know, like, you know, culturally, you know, ambiguous person. You know what I mean? Like, that's not putting a black woman. That's not putting a black trans woman. That's not, you know, like, that's not putting a black disabled person. That's not putting a black fat person. All of these people who are usually discriminating against jobs, that's not putting us in place just by you, like, you know? So, like, uh, it's cute. Like, if it also, if gentrifiers want to start moving, it would be great. But I need you to also leave that land and those houses to indigenous folks, to black folks, to brown folks, or offer it at a discounted rent. Like, who says you even have to, like, give, if you can't afford to give the whole thing away, hey, I can offer this unit for half off for the year for one person, one family of color. Like, doesn't mean all your other units have to be that, but one unit in your grand scheme of things could be helpful. Yeah, that's all very, very helpful and super important. And um, I know that it's not anybody in the Black community's job to give us these lists. So I appreciate you, your emotional effort and your, your energy doing so, because I know it's not your job. And I know that it's our job to kind of think outside of the box our fucking ancestors created this and it's our job to put our bodies and selves out there and do the work. And um, so looking outside of the box was something that I wasn't doing. I have a family that owns a chain of restaurants in Seattle. You know, I, you know what I mean? I live in an apartment complex. Like those are all things that I just, again, so I'm, um, I'm excited to put some of those things into work. I do um, take restaurant gift certificates. See? <laughs> and it's Italian food. See? Yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm here for all the pasta. Come on. Um, I want to, Izzy, I want to just open it up to you question-wise before we, we move into the lightning round questions. Okay. I know I've been really shy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Quietly listening. <laughs> I know. You've been absorbing though, I can tell. So that's good. Mm. Do you oh, wait. Did Oh, oh, question for, I thought you were asking me a question. No, I was wondering if you had anything you wanted to add or any questions. Um, no, I can't think no, of anything. No, I'm just checking. I don't, I don't want to seem like I'm talking over you or anything, but I do want you to feel comfortable, so. I had a masturbation question Throw for Blackson. <laughs> or no, BDSM, oh. sorry. What's that? Oh, okay. So I haven't, I haven't had sex since December of 2017 because it was like traumatic and I didn't, I, that's when I started masturbating. But um, I plan on having sex, like obviously in the future, I'm not going to go the rest of my life without having sex, but I've been curious about BDSM. So for like, for someone who hasn't had sex in like almost two years or however long it's been, I don't even know, maybe like almost three years, and this we, year, we, 2020. Uh, yeah, I stopped having, um, no, cause I was still having sex after the assault, but it was so traumatic. I couldn't keep doing it. Mm-hmm. So I stopped. And then that's when I started masturbating. But I mean, I haven't had sex since my question is like, for someone who hasn't had sex in so long and is wanting to try BDSM, like how, like, what is like, how you said light, <laughs> light kink for, for someone who is a, like a sexual assault survivor, but also has not had sex in so long. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even know where to start with BDSM. Like, I know there's like that, that gag ball or whatever it's called. I don't even know the names for them. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> I don't even know what would be like, 
like like a, is there like a beginner phase of BDSM? <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So um so you know, first of all, you know, first and foremost, congratulations on the reclamation of your your narrative. That's 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 important. You know, saying you're at a point in your life where you are, you know, changing that narrative. I think that's amazing. And I'm proud of you. Um, the way you start, the way you start in BDSM, just not like getting into it. I think it's important to, you know, write down your wants, your needs, and your desires. You know what I'm saying? And even in, you know, even taking time to, you know, think in abstract matter. I guess, you know, a desire can be to be spanked, but a need can also be to feel cherished or loved or appreciated, you know, at the same time. And you determine, you sit down and you determine those needs and you do not, under any circumstances, fold on those needs. If those are your needs, if that's what you want from your interactions, then, you know, that's what you get. The important thing to understand here is that, you know, engaging in BDSM does not require you to compartmentalize, like, who you are, you know. Uh, from the depictions that we see in media, uh, all across the board, you know, it conveys this message in the sense of speaking that in order to, you know, engage and indulge, you know, in BDSM, that you must become someone else entirety, entirely. And you are a complete human being. So what that means is also, you know, as you move forward, is considering, um, as I've said before, your, your trauma, your, your mental health, and, and so on and so forth. And taking out time to, you know, try and think about, you know, how you would enjoy a BDSM relationship or how you would enjoy a BDSM, you know, interaction, you know, by the, by determining that. Like, oh, you know, as a survivor, you know, I don't want anyone to exude dominance over me. You know, as a survivor, I don't want anybody's, you know, hand around my throat. As a survivor, I don't want anybody to, you know, make me feel, you know, worthless. Or, or less than, you know. Then, you know, from there, I think, you know, it might do some good to um, determine how you want to feel in your interactions, um, like I've said before, and then start examining some acts that you might be interested in. You know, on a, on a very small level, um, we all have, you know, done BDSM in a very, very, very small way. You know, maybe someone had their ass smacked during you know, intercourse once, maybe someone was, you know, told or demanded what to do during intercourse one time. Uh, maybe someone was made to, you know, wait to orgasm while they were, you know, interacting with someone and so on and so forth. And it's about, you know, taking the things that you, you know, know you enjoy and, you know, altering them in a manner that calls on a different aspect of BDSM, which is bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, and sadomasochism. The important thing to understand here is that, you know, as long as you're observing, you know, the facets of consent, as long as you are being transparent, as long as you are, you know, being honest, as long as you are keeping your best interests at heart, as long as you are being communicative, you can make this be whatever you want it to be, you know. This isn't something for someone to come in your life and just dictate at you about, like, what's going to happen or what's, or what's going to go down when you all are, you know, indulging in the BDSM. This is an opportunity with someone that you trust to cooperatively design a BDSM relationship together, you know? And you do that by sitting down and mm. talking and negotiating 
and you know uh, asking each other's questions and, and gaining that familiarity. That means sit down, sitting down with a person and say, "Look, I have trauma. You know, I have some very real trauma, and you know, this is what I need. From you. Are you able to do these things? Are you able? Be, are you able to reciprocate the energy that I'm trying to put into this? Are you able to reciprocate the energy that I'm putting forth and being vulnerable right now? Are you able to reciprocate the the energy and that I am keeping my best interest at heart?" And I need you to do the same. You know, you lead in baby steps. You step along the way. You read. You get familiar with yourself. You write your stuff down. You find somebody that you might be interested in. And you sit down and you get to know that person, you know. Or in this case, it might be a sex worker, you know. And you actually sit down and you talk. And you, you, you try and design things cooperatively with another person that is going to be, like, amazing for you. And I think you can do that. I like that you said design, because then it sounds like art. <laughs> yeah, which it is. It is. It very much is art. Uh, yeah. It very, very much is art. And also, like, in the same way that, like, Blackson is saying that you can do that with someone, you can also do that with a professional, too. So it's like, if you feel like, well, you know, I would like to work on that, but I don't have anybody to work on that with, mm. you can hire someone or do a trade or whatever with someone who can do that. Because most professionals, we have like um, a checklist where you can say, hey, on a scale of one to 10, how interested in this would you be? So that gives your sex worker an idea of like what it is that you're looking for. And then also like Blackson said, the feeling that you're going for, it also gives you a chance to elaborate kind of like, oh, these are things I've been through. This is what I'm aiming for. But I'm looking for guidance around that because what my idea of what I may need is different than what I may actually need because, you know, so trust mm-hmm. me, you know, going with someone who's trustworthy, who's going to help you fish out what it is exactly that you're, you're going for can be really healing and helpful and also take the pressure off of trying to do that with someone that you're dating because sometimes it's like, oh, I want to try these things, but I'm not really sure how you feel about that. So having, trying, trying out, like I say, a good like 90 minute session with a professional kind of gives you a chance to run through some things and not have to worry about what your partner or whoever partners are going to feel about it. It's just like, look, it's like a sampler, you know, like I'm going <laughs> to taste a little bit of this, try a little bit of this. Once I discover, okay, that's what I'm going to order. Then you can take that back to whomever, whenever mm-hmm. all the people's and be like, yo, so this is what's on the menu. <laughs> like, Nothing else, nothing more. Don't try it. It ain't happening. I've discovered what I like. (laughs) Like, You know? (laughs) That's so empowering. Yeah. (laughs) That idea is so great because it's like you've explored, you know, you can even call it an exploration, you know, workshop that you're doing with a professional that you're like, these are the feelings that I want. I don't know how to get there. This is what, you know, like for me, I want to be able to like fuck somebody. I want to be able to use a strap on and fuck somebody. And I tried it in a relationship and I fucking failed. I failed and I looked like an idiot. And then I thought I could fix it by buying a new toy. And I made a gigantic mistake in my purchase, which was, it was hilarious on my private Instagram. But besides that, I don't, I think I'm going to use it as a wall, like a coat hanger. I'm not sure. Why am I not part of this private Instagram? (laughs) Oh, no, you need to be. I'll invite you. It's hilarious. But it's like, you know, that's this is my lesson is I was like, what What did you, uh, the box came to the house. And first of all, it was like, this. you should show them. Show them. <laughs> Let's just say I didn't look at what I was ordering. I was really excited. And I was like, she needs her own piece. 
we need to do this. This is what we're going to do. And then it came and it was like 11 and a half inches long and three inches, three inches in girth. And I was like, what did I do? What's going on? Like, I was so confused. I was like, I don't even know if this is going to fit in my harness. Like it was a lot. There was a whole <laughs> unpacking session that I was like, wow. But again, that was me trying to take control of my narrative and say, this is what I want to learn. But then it doesn't matter about my, my piece. It matters that I have somebody to practice on and that I can learn to use those muscles. Cause I realized that, you know, born well, with the muscles I was born with, it's not there. Plus, I've got my curves and all of that. So, well, I mean, in 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 you know, as a as a sex worker and as a person who is a slut, I would uh, I would definitely um, like if you haven't already not from social intelligence in any like shape way or form, but definitely um, positions like the positions that you that you take up can like can yeah. like definitely help you um, achieve the goal that you are trying to achieve, you know, if that means, you know, maybe doggy style didn't work, maybe missionary didn't work. Um, what if the person got on top? What if you laid next to the person and, you know, had sex with them from behind? What if you laid in front of that person and had sex with them from the front? What if you put them on the edge of the bed and sat in a chair uh, with them on the edge of the bed and tied it like that? So, you know, uh, it might be a matter um, of positioning. Second thing I want to say is, is that all sex workers are not created equally in a Period. sense where there are those out there who will harm you, who will, who will, you know, manifest, you know, more trauma for you, which is why it's important that, you know, despite us being professionals, that you bet us, you know, that means, you know, hey, you know, do you have some references from, you know, past human beings that, you know, have taken services from you? I'd like to hear some some feedback from them, you know, and just like looking out for yourself. You know, I don't want to, you know, sell you the notion that you know all sex workers are, you know, here to, you know, just heal. Some are here to heal. Some are here to collect coin. Some are here to do both. Um, and it's important that you figure out uh, what that what that looks like for that sex worker. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, it sounds like we just need to have you both on our just hire us dial. Yeah, I mean, like, okay. really, yeah. really can solve all your problems. Just hire me and Blackson. Ooh. Yeah, I, mean, I, um... like, I need to like hydrate for a week for that. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say that's so funny. You said that because I literally was just thinking, just like take us on a vacation. We'll go somewhere for a week, and we'll just work all the things out. <laughs> yeah, I um, my I have clients who. Uh, we regularly um, fly me to them um, in the United States for their uh, the services uh, that yeah, they need. If when I somebody, had money, I would definitely fly them to me. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I would, I would definitely come too. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, we could leave yeah, on the east coast. <laughs> <laughs> on the on the east coast, like I'm, I'm usually in New York, DC, Baltimore, Philadelphia. I have to venture outside. Uh, of those areas that somebody has to um, pay for my flight in my room if I'm not staying uh, in their home. And like, uh, yeah, as a, as a sex worker, you know, I love being flown out. Um, not because it's a vacation or a reason to travel. It's because it's nice seeing a person, you know, dedicated to their own pleasure, or dedicated to their own healing. Um, 
And the other awesome thing is that, you know, I personally, again, this is another thing that varies, um, is that, you know, as a sex worker, I provide, like, lots of services, you know. As a, as a, as a pro-dom, you know, I, like, consensually kick people's asses. But I also cuddle, you know. I, I do activities with people. You know, if they want a companion to, like, hang with them for an evening. I have a partner experience. I just, like, basically I'm someone's partner for, like, four hours. You know what I'm saying? And, and so on and so forth. And those, those, like, services, like, vary across the board. So maybe, so maybe you don't want to, you know, maybe you don't want to get dominated or, you know, get spanked or whatever. Um, what if you just paid a sex worker to come over and talk to you? What if you paid a sex worker to come over and give you affirmation? What if you paid a sex worker just to, you know, share space with you? And, you know, I have clients that, you know, do those and, and need that. And it's a pleasure to provide those services. For them. Same. Like some of my, the majority of my sessions really don't include much sex at all. Like the majority of the work that I do is, it could be considered intimate and sensual, but it's not necessarily people's traditional idea of sex. A lot of times it's coloring with people, holding people, watching cartoons, uh, um, a lot of motivational work. I do a lot of motivational cuddling and also a lot of motivational dominance where um, in the same way that people like to be humiliated and like, uh, you know, it's, but it's like the opposite. Like people want to be dominated, but also forced to like say good things about themselves and like change things about their behavior. So there's people who just want me to be in their lives to remind them to take better care of themselves, to do better for themselves, to, you know, accomplish whatever it is they're accomplishing. And then when they reach those personal goals, they get gifts, which is more time with me in a different type of way or whatever. So there's lots of ways to engage with sex workers. Sex workers are literally like, the most sacred healers ever. And we're, we like those of us who are here for the sacred healing work, like there, our scope of practice is so large, so large. And we also know how to say, hey, that is outside of my scope of practice, but I know somebody who could really help you out there. Yeah. That's, mm -mm. I love that. And that's so important. And I think that you just like both just explained a menu of, of things that so many people don't realize. Mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and it's so important it's so important Ooh, tickling that's also some of my favorite sessions what is tickling tickling tickle sessions oh my gosh that sounds like torture to me it's yeah. so good <laughs> i love that so much well we have come to the end of the episode but i do have some lightning round questions i'd like to ask everybody that they're just questions right. that, that kind of uh humanize everyone but also inspire um and it's a little bit of a nod to james lipton the old uh interviewer of of actors um i would love to know each of your favorite swear words Ooh, busy um i have a combo <laughs> oh tell me <laughs> i use cut bitch <laughs> a lot <laughs> that's that is what i have not heard on this uh, on this uh podcast yet so nice job <laughs> yeah what about you, Brick? I don't know. Fuck, maybe? It's the most popular answer, usually. Maybe fuck or bitch. I don't know. I use them both so much and for so many different things. So maybe those? I don't know. <laughs> uh, mine is uh, a phrase, and the phrase is I shit. 
Like I find myself saying yes. ah, shit like, Definitely. like quite often because I am a goober. I <laughs> yes. love that. Yes. All right, right now during self-care, I'd love to know any music that you're listening to or maybe a book that you're reading that you're like, I need to shut the world out and turn this on or open this book or even watch this movie or play this video game. Is there one go-to thing right now that you're like, I can't get this music out of my head or what have you? Um, as far as music uh, goes right now, I probably have just been listening. So there's a genre of music called um, it's called, uh, it's a type of R&B, it's, um, ah, it's, uh, ah, won't come to my brain, it's, um, it's a type of R&B that doesn't have all the instruments inside, uh, it's minimalist R&B, mm -hmm. um, some of the artists inside of, um, minimalist R&B are, uh, H-E-R, or her, um, SZA, um, that, one woman whose name I can't remember, uh, Kelly Uchi, Uch Uchis, <laughs> um, Solange Knowles, but it's like, it's, it's once you like listen to these artists as a whole, you start to like kind of see what I mean by like minimalist, like R&B, it's just like, just the, you know, the barest of melodies, like all drums and, you know, kicks and hats. And I just, I really enjoyed minimalist R&B a lot. Uh, what's been my saving grace is uh, watching live music videos on YouTube because uh, live music is part of my self-care as a person who loves and communicates through music. Um, so, yeah, being able to watch like Bilal and Robert Glasper and Jill Scott and Erica, you know, literally everybody, India, uh, Michelle and Decicello, that's just, that's just all the people, all the greats. Um, watching some of their live sets on YouTube, you can really dig deep into some like old school, like nobody really saw this except for five people, but they were in this room and somebody had a piano, you know? <laughs> like, um, yeah, so I've, I've been having fun uh, doing that until I can get back to a, a place where I can enjoy live music in person and then books. Oh gosh, my magic books, like all my, all my magic books, all my black sacred magic healing hoodoo all the things all those books esoteric books tarot books all those do things you do tarot too uh i do i would not tell you that i am learning <laughs> i am learning i'm reading i love what i'm doing <laughs> what about you oh me um i've been listening to a lot of cumbias because <laughs> that was my yeah, my mom just passed away like a month ago, and that was her favorite music, so I play it every day for her. Yes. Yeah, yeah, cumbia. Um, yeah. I love cumbia, grupo, um, yep. merengue, <laughs> um, salsa, but especially bachata. Um, I actually speak, uh, I speak a little bit of Spanish, and I grew up around um, Mexican individuals like in my neighborhood and was introduced um, to specifically to um, Mexican culture. Um, when I live uh, in Chicago, not not implying that you are Mexican. I'm, I'm not I'm Mexican. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't want to. I, I don't want to. I didn't. I didn't want to like assume or anything. But like, yeah, those are like some best times in my life. Like eating ceviche mm -hmm. and pozole blanco, and just like just seeing just the similarities and between like another culture 
at how much, you know, we need each other, you know, underneath white supremacy. And, you know, we've seen those, like, those similarities of just how important it is uh, for us to be on, like, on, on one accord, you know, and not taking those moments for granted, like, for sure. Yes. I love that. All right, the next question. I want you each to name one or two influential people that have inspired you to be who you are today that are not white, straight, cis men, which I'm sure will not be a problem, but I <laughs> because they've had enough attention. So that is my disclaimer for everyone is I don't want to hear it if it has to do with one of them. Um, my, you said two? Uh, one or two. Who are, uh, yeah, you know. Um, first person would be uh, Kevin Patterson. Kevin Patterson is a uh, good friend of mine um, and he is seen as uh, one of the authorities on Black polyamory uh, in the United States. Um, wrote a wonderful book called Love's Not Colorblind uh, as on. well. But he, <laughs> he, uh, he was to he was to polyamory in Philadelphia what I am to BDSM in Philadelphia, meaning that you know, we were, you know, respected human beings, you know, in our in our fields. And um, a thing I used to do is I, I used to throw these play parties here in Philadelphia that were specifically for trans people of color. Amazing play parties. And at one play party, you know, Kevin's standing there and I'm just looking at everybody, he calls me over and he tells me to like, to look at the crowd and look at all these melanated faces you know, folks are laughing and we're joking about being ashy at play parties, like something I've never done before. Uh, and he looked down at me and he said, you did this. Like, you you did all of this. Like, you did, this is happening because of you. And, um, and that's when I, I really looked at everything and, and really saw it for what it was. And he's told me that, you know, you go on places and they will never be able to talk about you know, black people in BDSM without bringing up your name ever again Here. in Philadelphia. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, I was, I was, I was shook. I was like, oh, oh my goodness. Uh, and that is something that has, that has stayed with me and that will, you know, stay with me for a long, long time. That was last year or even before last year. The other person um, in my life that I say, um, probably has um, influenced me the most is uh, probably my mother, uh, mm -hmm. and to keep this as brief as possible, as a person that I do not want you to come. She inspired me to uh, just do better. I can resonate with that. Yes. That. Yes. 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 Period. Yes. 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 What about you, Britt? Woo! So many people. <laughs> but I'll break it down to three. Um, Avita Sawyers, which is, I think it's like Avita La Vida Loca Sawyers on Instagram. Um, but they do all kinds of stuff. But they're a beautiful black queer um, woman who's also polyamorous and um, uh, a nudist and all these other things. I'm probably not even giving them like all the praise that they really deserve, but they are amazing and they have been really uh, paramount in offering me representation. Uh, I am a person who is 
uh, one of few in my area of life and what I do and where I'm doing it. So it's one thing to be a person who creates these spaces, who creates the kink safe spaces for people of color, who creates the burlesque spaces. Who create, like I literally am always creating safe spaces for my folks. And it's a different place to be where you can also be inspired by other people and like gain from their things. Uh, so it's really been nice to be in a position to learn from Avita just from their just from their existence, literally just their existence. I learned so much from, and I'm looking forward to like paying them for like some one-on-one -on -one learning. Cause they have so much to offer around uh, literally everything, but um, black and polyamorous issues. Like they're just a genius. Um, so there's that. And then also um, jet setting Jasmine and King Noir, just like really blessed me. And I've done some training with them and they, have really set the bar high for what I am accepting uh, in my life as far as business and romance is concerned, um, because they are a couple who has been able to be really successful in sex work. And in addition to that, you know, uh, polyamory and just really melding their lives together to be a life that they don't have to take a break or a vacation from because their life is literally what I know is possible for those of us who are black and in sex work. I do believe that um, true happiness and partnership and success, all of these things are totally within reach for us, but we never really get a chance to see that. And especially for black folks, partnered specifically with other black folks or brown folks. So it's really nice for um, us to have that representation. And I'm looking forward to being that representation for other folks. I love that. Yeah. Izzy? Um, I can't think of it. <laughs> the, the number one person that comes to mind is my mom, but she just passed away. So I feel like I only feel that way because she just passed away. <laughs> And like, I didn't realize, I didn't realize how influential she was until she passed away. Because mm -hmm. like, I called my mom every day. And then um, like, there's certain things that go on every day where I'm like, I want to call my mom about this. I want to tell my mom about this. And then I realized, damn, like, I didn't realize how close I was to her until now. So and then just even like, even now, while I'm like, trying to connect with her spiritually. My mom was very spiritual. My mom believed in like spirit world and all this kind of like, a world that I didn't even want to mess with until after she died because now I'm trying to connect with her. And now I'm like, she has that influence. And I'm trying to reach this new chapter because of her. It's really like intense. It sounds <laughs> But yeah. It sounds intense, like exciting. Yeah, I was just like, oh yeah. shit. Like, what journeys yeah. are y'all about to go on? <laughs> do you, do yeah. you have any brujas in your life or brujos? I don't. I think, I feel like my mom was a secret bruja and I'm realizing that now after she passed. Yeah. You should if you if you as far as like um like being a medium or getting a medium. Um, oh well, yeah, I do um, have one. I I, I kind of like dabble in the left hand path. Um, my my some of my like teachings are based on left hand path, but okay. um, it might it might do you good to um to get in touch uh, with a bruja. Yeah. I think to do so. Yeah, get that altar popping. <laughs> oh, yeah, I have an altar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay, the last question. This was a question asked to me at an interview, and it made me cry on the spot. And so I've always said that I want to know everybody's answers to this. Um, if you could have lunch with your younger self, around oh. what age would you be? And what would you tell them? And more importantly, what would you eat? 
together. <gasps> it is so important to me. So that's why I had to include that part. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If I could have lunch with my younger mm. self, what age would she be and what would we eat and what would I tell her? Okay. Hmm. Anybody can go first. <laughs> Who has it? If I could talk to my younger self, um, I would be 12. And that was the time, uh, that was the first time I saw my mother get incarcerated. Um, and I would get down on one knee and I would, I would look myself right in the eyes and I would say, hey man, how you doing? You okay? You know, I know you're having a lot of you know, thoughts and feelings um, and things that you don't understand. I know that what just happened is more than you could possibly bear. You know, I know that as the oldest child that you feel responsible to keep your, your siblings in line, to look out for them, to, you know, make sure that they learn how to be good human beings. But you also got to look out for you too. You also have to take time for yourself. You also have to, you know, Take time to worry about yourself too. And as long as you're spending all your time worrying about other people, you can't pay attention to yourself. You know, I know that, you know, these other feelings you have, you know, really not sure if you're a boy, don't think you're a girl, and, you know, you feel yourself all in the middle and all at sea. But I promise, I swear to you, that things do get better. I promise that things do get better. I promise that one day you'll figure this all out and your life will improve and you will have a new set of friends. You will go to places that you've never been before. You will see things that you've never been before. And you will have experiences that will last you for an entire lifetime. I believe in your ability to survive. You will survive. The, the things that you'll do, oh, you, you have no idea of the things that come. You just gotta hold out. You just gotta hold on until another tomorrow. Joy comes in the morning. Woo! I like it. I felt that. Woo! What would you eat together? Oh, we would definitely eat toast. Definitely eat toast. Toast is my favorite food. Is it really? I <laughs> yeah. love that answer. <laughs> I love that. Thank you for sharing that. That that was um. I love hearing what people would say to themselves because it shows how much they cherish themselves now. Yeah. Right. Oh man, I don't even know. Cause I'm like, <laughs> well, there's so many places where I could say something to myself. Uh, let's see. I think maybe we'd start with probably like five or six or seven, like between five and seven year old me. And I think that I would take us to a five-star restaurant and literally go through like a six-course situation of whatever we wanted. Um, there would be lots of sweets involved, lots of buttery things, lots of bread, cheese, maybe some pastas, lots of seafood. Um, Lots of juice, lots of people serving us these things. Um, and I would tell her that 
at some point it will make sense. <laughs> like, at some point it will make sense. At some point, the things that you feel like you know, or you feel like you hear, you feel like you see, you know, like it will all start to make sense. There's literally nothing wrong with you. You're just super gifted. So yeah, that's what I would tell myself. I love that. I would probably also tell her to like get, you know, what's it called? I would tell her if I could like raise her all over again, I would have raised her like learning how to like wield knives and guns and stuff. So she could have took some of these motherfuckers out that tried her throughout her life. Ooh, that's real. I love that yeah. one. Yep. <laughs> yep. You know, cause I feel like, yeah, I would have just wanted to protect her from predators. So I definitely mm-hmm. would have like been like, Hey, we're going to have this really great lunch, but also after this, we're going to the gun range or something. Some kind of martial arts, some kind of something. Um, Yeah. That's real. Yeah. Izzy? Um, I would go back and have lunch with my, I think, nine-year-old self. Whatever age I was in third grade. I think I was nine. I don't remember. But third grade is the year that um, I didn't speak English till third grade. So I took, like, we had, um, like, ESL classes. So I would have, like, Half the, half the day was English and then half the day was Spanish. But I remember crying when I had to move into like the all English class because my mom was like, you have, to, you have to speak English now. And I, I cried because I only wanted to speak Spanish. And so I would go back and tell myself, I guess, that, well, and, and after, I remember the, after that, I honestly just stopped speaking Spanish because I thought I wasn't supposed to, you know, you can't talk about it in school. I couldn't take these classes anymore. My mom really wanted me to like learn English. So I would, I think I would just go back and tell myself that it's okay to still speak Spanish because I stopped speaking Spanish after that. And I had to relearn it like later as I got older. So, um, I mean, I think, yeah, I don't know what I would eat though. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I love that answer though. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you all for, for your time, for being here, for sharing vulnerable moments. I think everybody did. And um, I know that takes a lot of energy, which not all of us have right now. So I appreciate uh, your time and uh, your gift of, of your presence. Um, please, let's go around and let us know where we can find you on social media and how people can support you. And I will make sure that these links are all in the description as well. You can find me on missbrickhouse.com. That's M-S-B-R-I-Q-H-O-U-S-E.com. You can also find me on all social media apps under the at sign, Miss M-S period, B-R-I-Q-H-O-U-S-E, or just Brickhouse. Usually the hashtag Brickhouse will find literally everything with me. Um, you can also find me on Venmo at Brickhouse, B-R-I-Q-H-O-U-S-E. That's my favorite place to be found on Venmo and Cash App, dollar sign, B-R-I-Q-H-O-U-S-E. That is how you can find me. That is how you can support me. Uh, you can also find me on OnlyFans under slash Goddess Brickhouse. And in your dreams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the best. Uh, hello. Uh, my name is Blackson. That's B-L-A-K. There's no C in my name. B-L-A-K-S-Y-N. B-L-A-K-S-Y-N. You can find my main platform 
on Instagram at Kinky Black Educator. Um, you may also just enter in the name that I just spelled out for you um, as well, and it will easily find me. Uh, my first, my second platform is my photography, because uh, I am a visual artist, and you can find that at Sin Black on Instagram, S-Y-N-B-L-A-K, kind of a reversal of my name. My third platform is Black and Brown and Blue. It was a project created to highlight melanated individuals, um, Black and Indigenous, uh, people of color, Black, Indigenous, and people of color, and fetish boudoir, um, nature, and fetish settings as well. I'm on Twitter, getting accustomed uh, to using Twitter. It's a way different beast from Instagram, but I can be found on Twitter um, at Blackson, B L A K. Uh, S-Y-N, and my website is at about 85% um, constructed. It's about, like, kind of populating it right now, but I can be found at theblackson.com, but it is still under, uh, under construction. My Venmo is um, Blackson, B-L-A-K-S-Y-N. Uh, my Cash App and Venmo are actually the same, B-L-A-K-S-Y-N. And you can find me on PayPal at PayPal dot me back forward slash blackson oh yeah but oh my gosh twitter i'm trying to figure it out too i'm like i finally got instagram together but twitter is like i don't understand how I you know i should i should be okay. more like accustomed at this because i'm more i'm more prone to writing like writing is like what i mostly do and it's just like twitter is just navigating it because it's Instagram is visual based, yeah, but I like don't exactly use it for that. But it's <laughs> I have some tips and tricks for Twitter I can help you with that oh, helped me about a year ago, and then my Twitter like got really fast and easy after I got that info. So I will gladly um, help you both with Twitter because it, it is a weird space. It is I, like eat edibles and drink wine at night and say things that I shouldn't, and then the next morning I'm like, "What the fuck did I?" <laughs> But in Twitter world, it kind of disappears and it's okay. So no, it doesn't. No, it does not. No, it does not. It does not. It does not. It does not. It does not disappear. Once it goes, I believe that. No, no, I know. Oh, oh, I forgot to say. Also, on social media, you can find me under Kink Social Club, which is Q U I N K Social Club. It is my all POC kink event that happens quarterly here in Seattle, and it's the only one of its kind here in Seattle. So it's a pretty big deal. And then also uh, Sunday Night Sugar Shack, which is S-H-U-G-A-S-H-A-Q, which is uh, me and Cinderella Rosa, our all people of color burlesque review. So everyone is invited to come to that. It's just only people of color in the actual show. I love that. And I can't wait until we can all go to these areas again so we can come see you and support you. Um, Thank you again for all being here. Thank you, Izzy, for being my co-host. Thank you. Jeez, it was fun. <laughs> and um, please take care of yourselves. And uh, we will see you on the other side. Woo woo! Thank you! <laughs> Thanks for joining us for this conversation as part of our Face to Faces series. We hope you'll join and support the Faces of Fortitude community on Instagram at Faces of Fortitude, on Facebook at Faces of Fortitude Portraits, and on Twitter as myself, Mary Angela Abeo. If you'd like to become a face in the project or join me in conversation on the podcast, or maybe you have an idea for a topic we should explore or a person 
we should interview, please contact us at booking at facesoffortitude.com. And until next time, please have extra patience and kindness for yourself and others.